That's awesome. Fantastic. Well, happy Mother's Day again. It was uh, so nice to gather, and uh, hopefully you've all got stuff to do this afternoon with some family, but I also acknowledge that that's one of those things about living in a regional setting is, is you're not always around family, and, um, and of course there are some uh, in other cases, you know, that maybe, maybe today just reminds us of, of the fa- maybe the family we've lost or, or relationships that have been broken. And so I'm, I'm just really aware of that. Um, but my intention today is to honour honor, honor all the women and honour all the mums. Um, and I really hope, I, I don't think honour looks like ignoring those other issues. Um, but I do want to open the Bible and, and actually kind of ask God, like, what does he want to say? How does he see? How does he see his daughters? And so I I get that this is, this is, I've only been here a few months and um, this is a a fairly, can be a controversial, controversial topic. Um, But I do just want to, so if if I represent a view that's not necessarily yours, I I do ask for your uh, grace and I ask you to to just pray and and actually uh, go to the Bible and say, I'm, I'm just trying to honour the scripture as, as I read it, and, and I pray that that's your perspective as well. And I think, because this world is so opinionated, it's one of the things I'll be, I'll be mentioning. But I don't think our society has always done a very good job of honouring women. Uh, just to say that, just, just, put, just put that on the table. I don't think our society has done a good job of honouring women very much at all. And, um, and, and we're going to get into that in a moment. So let's just pray First, let's just ask God to speak into this and to give me the words that he would have me say and uh, to give you the ears (laughs) that he wants you to hear with. So, Father God, I just thank you for you. I just thank you that you are amazing. Just You are awesome. Just like that, those songs that we sung today, you are an incredible God. And we're all here today in agreement with that. We're all here because we're the body of Christ. We're all here because we're your children created in your image, who have accepted your invitation to, to, to in Jesus. We've accepted your invitation to come back into relationship, the relationship that we forsook, that we, took, that we stepped out of. Jesus fixed it, and, and through him, we get to come back into relationship with you. And Lord, we acknowledge that we are broken people who have been raised in a broken world with, with broken perspectives, And so, Lord, we invite you to shape us. We invite you to shape us as your children. We want to represent you well. And, uh, and Lord, so speak to us today. We, uh, despite whatever I say, Lord, I pray that you will speak well into people's hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, there you go. So, yes, I don't think our, our, our society and I don't think our Churches, I'm not talking about our, this specific church, but churches in general, haven't always done a good job of, of, uh, of honouring women. And it's largely due to the societies. And, um, but it hasn't always been like that. In fact, there's been many, uh, I'll use the word matriarchal and patriarchal societies. And uh, I'll be, can I be honest with you? I didn't actually know the difference. I knew kind of what they meant, but I didn't know which one was which very long ago. So I'm going to give you a hint. I learned that patriarchal is, uh, that's the male-dominated society or the male-dominated leadership. And the par, the par is like par. Like you've got ma and mothers and pa is, is fathers. And I was like, oh, duh. So patriarchal refers to men, the pars, and matriarchal refers to the mas, the, the women. 
And in, even today, there are many matriarchal societies that are alive and well. In fact, I've got this website, if I just Googled it. And in China, Costa Rica, Kenya, Indonesia, Ghana, India, they're just some of the matriarchal societies that are still alive and well today. And it's actually the women. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, honour given to them because they're the ones who give birth. And um, I've got to say, like, I, I've done my last 20 years in the southern regions of, of Perth. In, uh, uh, in fact, I've often referred to myself as a bogan pastor because I've been um, a minister in Rockingham for the last you know, 20 years and, and uh, in... in <laughs> I was going to say Coburn, but... Uh, sorry, I, I'm looking at you two because I recognise you. Um, you came to State Youth Games with us. Um, but, um, that, sorry, they call it Coburn Central, but I grew up there. I went to South Lakelands High, which is like one of the roughest guts schools around. And it's... It's like, oh, they call it Coburn Central, but I remember it as South Lake. Um, so, yeah, so, and I say all that to say this. Um, you know, I, I'd, I've met lots of bikies, I, my, it, and the sort of, they're the biggest, roughest, toughest guys around, but you mention their mum and they melt. Like, honest, uh, even, even the biggest, roughest, toughest guys in our society know how to honour their mum. And they know, they, they, they go, they're the, that's the one person in their life. They might be able to whoop everyone else, but that's the one person in their lives that could whoop them. It's their mums. It's because they wouldn't lift a finger against their mums. And so there is a, 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 a subculture of honour of women in our society. But, um, and, and the truth is, uh, most of us men, we kind of know. We kind of know that actually in our house, my mum had a saying. So the dad is the head of our house, but she's the neck who turns him. And I'm like, you know what, unfortunately, I, I can see the truth in that. <laughs> I could definitely see the truth in that. So um, it's, it's, it's very, so for years, for generations, our Western society has been very patriarchal. So, and uh, there's a lot of noise at the moment about, um, you know, women rising up and women, you know, women should be able to do everything and et cetera, et cetera. And, and um, I just want to talk a little bit about that today. So just to... To, if I may take a step back and just expose a strategy of our enemy for a moment. So we have an enemy. You know, we talk on the devil, we call him Satan. But part of his strategy is it kind of doesn't matter what the topic is, but he wants you to push you to the extremes. Like that seems to be his strategy. His strategy is division. He, he, he's, John 10.10 10 says he comes to steal, he comes to kill, he comes to destroy. And part of his motivation is, to do that is, is isolation and division. And you can pretty much take any topic, and his strategy in that topic is to push people to the extreme edges of opinion, to push, push people to the extreme edges of, of their thoughts, because uh, he wants people to fight. And when there's fighting, there's not unity. And so God the Father, his heart is unity. And, and the Holy Spirit, his heart is unity. And Jesus, he, he preached unity, whereas the, the devil, he does the opposite. He preaches division and isolation, and he wants people to feel alone in, in their thoughts and in their opinions and to dis, disrespect each other. And so I just want to acknowledge that. Uh, the devil has that strategy in philosophy. He has that strategy in theology. Pretty much all the ologies, which are all the different trains of thought, I think the devil brings the same, the same strategy. He just wants people to divide. And I don't think he cares too much about what your opinion is, so long as it's extreme enough to be hateful towards someone else. 
so long as it's extreme enough to bring an argument and to bring division. Does that make sense? Can you, can you guys, now we're talking about that, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen that, I've seen that. And so for generations, our Western society has been uh, downgrading and diminishing women's worth and women's dignity for the sake of exploding, like elevating men's worth and men's dignity. Um, and I, that's not okay. That's, that's not right. Uh, and I, I get it's not just our society. And if you look through history, it's many of the societies. But you'll see this swing. It's like, it's like a pendulum swing. You, maybe you've had a, a patriarchal society. And sometimes it swings all the way to a matriarchal and back and forth. But generally, it's one of the two extremes. And uh, so... And I think we're seeing it. I think we're seeing a swing. And so I'm just going to expose it a little bit and talk about it. I think we're seeing a swing in our society. If you look at over the last, let's say, 20 years, I think I've got a slide for this. If you look at even just the cartoons and the shows on TV, you'll start to see that in order to elevate women, there's like a downgrading or a diminishing or or a picking on of men. Have you seen that? If you think of shows like The Simpsons, uh, Married with Children. Did anyone watch Married with Children when they were growing up? There's a, there's a few, few hands, yeah. People my age, that was a show like what was in the 90s it was popular. And, uh, and Peppa Pig is one of the more modern ones. But in all of these shows, the men, the dads, are really shown as idiots. <laughs> they're, they're dumb. They're, they're like losers. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing a few awkward nods around the place. Like, if you, if you think of Peppa Pig, is actually, we as a family, our kids do watch a little bit of Peppa Pig, but it's not something that we, that we want them to. It's not something we promote, because even though it's a fairly innocent, innocent show, it does have this underlying thing that, that the dad is often, often the dumb one. And I don't think it's healthy. I don't think it's biblical. I don't think it's right. And, but what we're seeing is this swing away because, um, because it's not okay how we've treated women for so long. But the swing is, well, to elevate women, we have to downgrade men. And I don't think that's right either. I don't think that's what the Bible speaks of. Um, and so if we go to the next slide, um, if we look at our superhero, I love, I, I love to geek out on superhero. Anyone loves a good Marvel movie? Um, Guardians is out at the moment. Um, go and see Jesus Revolution first. Um, I don't, actually, I don't even know if it's still... It was, Jesus Revolution was in the movies for like a week. It was fantastic. Is it still playing? Fantastic. Go and see that first. And then, uh, if you've still got time, uh, go and see Guardians. But um, Guardians of the Galaxy. But it's interesting. I'm seeing... Now, I, lo- I, love, I love a good superwoman, uh, superhero. I love all the superheroes, women or men. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. But I'm noticing this theme. There seems to be like an agenda that for every male superhero, there's a female counterpart that's been popping up. Like, um, there's a few of them up here. Like uh, Hulk. Now there's a She-Hulk. Now, I know this is not new. Like, She-Hulk was written and cartoons were made like, what, 20 years ago, um, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. But this, this is the theme. Like, now um, Thor... Now, Jane is, is now Thor as well, so we've got a female Thor. Um, obviously, Superman, Supergirl. Um, Pepper Potts has jumped into the Iron Man suit. Now we have a girl Iron Man option as well. And it's like you can see it through all of them 
Uh, not through every single one. There's a female Spider-Man. Uh, she's known as Ghost Spider uh, from memory. Like all the superheroes, there seemed, especially in the kids' cartoons, there seems to be female versions of all of them popping up. And I'm not even saying that's bad, but what I'm saying is there seems to be this really aggressive swing away from this patriarchal dominated society. And in order to, to honor women, we're kind of at this risk of overcorrecting as we swing past the biblical view into uh, a matriarchal view. And I, and I think, so, so that's the problem that I want to address today. That's the, that's the question that I want to talk about. And so, um, unfortunately, people have been, uh, offensively so, have been actually using the Bible to actually have a male-dominated view. There's lots of, when you, and, I, and we're going to talk about one of these passages in context, because if you look at the one line, it, it looks actually quite male-dominant. Uh, but we're going to talk about that in a moment. But people have been using the Bible to prop up this uh, male, masculine, dominant thing. And I don't think it's actually the complete biblical view. And so, here we go. So here you go. I've been here for three months now, so now I'm just laying it out. <laughs> okay. Let's just jump straight into Scripture. Genesis 1. So we're just, let's just go back to the beginning and let's look at uh, what, how God created and why God created. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. So if you do have your Bibles, feel free to open there. Uh, but we're going to start in Genesis 1, chapter, uh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 26. And um, so let me read it out. I'm reading from the ESV for most of it, but I'm going to switch versions in a little while as well. Okay, so then God said, let us make man. So this is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, talking to each other. Okay? Then God said, let us make man. And I left that little A there. Uh, the, the note in the Bible there is actually, it's referring to mankind. So not just men, it's referring to mankind, which will become obvious in a second. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, God created man, mankind, in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. So we can see just from this very first scripture, back in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. God had this idea that he wanted people, mankind created in his image, and it was male and female. So immediately, when you read that, it speaks of equal worth. Okay? So that's the first thing I want to pull out, is men, male and female were created equal, with equal, equal dignity, with equal worth. Okay? And there was a job description there as well, to uh, dominion and, and ruling over, over the, the animals and, and over the earth. Now, male and female were created in the image of God. And there's this uh, Latin word that we could use if you, if you want to get impressed, imago Dei. And what that actually means is that it's... I've got it written here. Here we go. It, imago Dei means 
that it, and it's specifically for humanity. It's, this is especially for humanity. We're the only part of creation that have been created in the image of God. And what it means is um, we're in the image of God in our material body, so our physical, and then our immaterial soul and spirit. So we are body, we are mind, and we are spirit, and we reflect the image of God. That doesn't mean that God is a human. Let's get that right. We're made in his image, not the other way around. And I think people cross, cross over that line a little bit too quickly. God is, in fact, spirit. And God is not a male. He's not a female. God is both, we, male and female, we're both created in his image. So every aspect, every element that makes up men and makes up women is in, the God, is in God. So God is spirit. And to reflect him properly, you need a male and female. Males are made wonderfully to reflect certain parts of the image of God. And women are made wonderfully to reflect certain other images of the other reflections of the, other, of the image of God. And together, and this is the beautiful thing about marriage. This is one of my favorite. We're not talking about marriage, but this is the beautiful teaching of marriage is together when we're in living in harmony, which, you know, is a challenge because um, we're different. Okay, we're different. But uh, it can often be a challenge. But when, we're, when that's in beautiful harmony, it reflects the image of God so much fuller. Now, do we reflect the whole image of God? That would be a big, a big statement, not one that I'm brave enough to make. Um, but certainly we reflect more of the image of God because we're created different and we're created equal. Okay, the next point, so that was the first point I want to make. Male and female were created equal. Okay, equal worth, equal dignity. Um, but we were created different and it was, we were created different on purpose. Now, the second point I want to make is men and women are made to match. We are made to match. We are made for each other. So let's just read in Genesis chapter 2. So if you have your Bible, flip over to Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 to 17 is where I'm going to start. Then the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Uh, You may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. uh, For if you you eat it, sorry, for in that day you eat it, you shall surely die. Getting mixed up my own words here. Where was Eve at this point? Anyone know? I'm cheating. I studied this already. Eve wasn't even made yet. Okay, so Adam was created first, and he, got, he was given responsibility. This, this initial command, you can, you can eat of all the trees, but not of, not, of that, not, not of that specific tree. There will be a consequence if you eat from that specific tree. But because it's important for us to have boundaries and for us to have consequences, uh, any of you who are parents know this. And so, but Eve, I just want to make the point, Eve hasn't been created yet. So Adam was made first, and he put him in the garden, and he gave him the rules. And so the first thing that God, well, one of the first things God did was give Adam responsibility. Now, this is significant. I think this word responsibility is an important one for us to land. So men actually have the responsibility 
uh, the God-given responsibility to for us to do the right things in uh, in our relationship with God and in how we react, how we relate to the world around us. And if you know many men, you'll know that we do everything we can to try and get out of responsibility. Uh, we love escapism. We love we love we love our, our social stuff. We love to actually escape all the responsibility. And so you can see the difference between a man who's stepped up to the plate and accepts responsibility, and you can see, really see the difference between a man who hasn't. Um, and I won't go further into that. I don't. I think you guys know this. And uh, so escapism, guys, is, is much. Sometimes it can be helpful. I'm not saying all. I'm not saying all social stuff is bad. I'm not saying that at all. It's important for us to relax at points, but we do need to remember we've got to do it in the context of our responsibility. Does that make sense? Still with me? Anyone still with me? Yeah, fantastic. All right, let's keep reading. Uh, verse 18 in chapter two. Then the Lord God said, "It is not good for the man." It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast. Out of the ground, out of the dirt, out of the dust. When I, as a youth pastor, I would like to say, girls, just remember, boys were made out of the dirt. <laughs> I can say that because I'm a bloke. So... Uh, I've lost my spot. All right. So now uh, God had created every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the livestock and all the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the fields. But for Adam, down in verse 20, but for Adam there was not, a, there was there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of the ribs and closed up the, fl- uh, the place with flesh. But the, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. So women are made of flesh. Made from flesh. Men are made from dirt. All right. (laughs) Then man said, Woo, man. Sorry. (laughs) I I, I like that joke. Um, uh, Yeah, I'm just imagining it, but let's just stay on track here. All right, so this at last is the bone of my bone and the flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Because she was taken out of man. One more verse. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So I just want to highlight a few things out of there. So highlight that God went to great lengths. God went to great lengths for Adam to realize that there was no other part of creation that was fit to partner with him. I think, I think that's important. It is really important. He also had the responsibility of naming all the animals. So there's that word responsibility again. But there was no helper, partner fit for him. It's worth highlighting. The woman was created 
and designed intentionally to be the perfect partner for Adam. Eve was designed by God to be the perfect partner for Adam. Just remember, so Adam was given this responsibility and then God's reflection on this was, it's not good for a man to be alone. This, this is not right. I'm not finished yet. This is not good for him to be alone. It makes me wonder that if God didn't go through and, 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 and make Eve and, and women, obviously, biologically, that would be a problem for generations. But, but could you just imagine a whole world full of men uh, and how organized the place might be? All the, all the wives are sitting here giggling because they're like, oh, gee, that would be a mess. That, that would, that, nothing would be in a straight line. Um, but God obviously saw, hey, I've made Adam on purpose and I've given him responsibility. I'm not diminishing men at all. But I am saying, uh, and that even God is recognizing here, that we need help. And he, that Eve was made as that perfect designed partner to partner with Adam in that role to pick up that responsibility. Now, I just want to talk about this word helper. Often in our society, we look at this word helper and and we go, ah, you know, helper, servant, slave, you know, uh, man first, woman second, she's just the helper. Um, But that is not actually what this word means. I mean, it does mean helper but not in that very masculine kind of... Let, let me just read. Um, okay, literally, in the, in the Hebrew, the word is azur, azur. Uh, so this word here, it, it's got an E, but with a hyphen. Apparently, it's got an ak kind of sound to it. And it does mean helper. And literally, it means one who helps. Okay, so this word actually does mean helper. But... Uh, in the Bible, if you look up the word, I've got this cool little uh, website called the Blue Letter Bible, and it tells you, gives you all these definitions and how many times in the Bible it was used. And so it's, this word was used to refer to Eve or to women uh, three times in two verses, the two verses I've just read you, okay? Uh, and another, I think, 20 or 21 times in 19 verses, it was actually used to refer to God. Let me just read you a few. Super quick. Exodus 18.4. The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Deuteronomy 33.26. There is none like God who rides through the heavens to your help. Azur. Deuteronomy 33.29. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, are people saved by the Lord, the shield of your help, Azur. Psalm 20. He, may he send you help from the sanctuary and give you the support from Zion. Psalm 33. Our, Lord, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Psalm 70. But a poor man and needy, and needy, But I am poor and needy, sorry. Hasten to me, O God. You are my help and my deliverer. O Lord, do not delay. Psalm 115. 
uses it three times, verse 9, verse 10, verse 11. O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. He is their help and their shield. The last one I'll read, Psalm 121. I lift my eyes up to the hills. From where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Gentlemen, please never look at this word help again as a diminutive, as a, as, as a slave or as a servant. They are not synonyms in the, for this word. God himself is our help. And unless you're ready to elevate yourself above God, please don't ever use this word to elevate yourself above women again. Wish I had a mic. That feels like a mic drop moment. <laughs> so all the young people are laughing and everyone else is like, what? Um, men and women are made to match. We are different in our gifts and our talents. We are different in our shape. We're different in our physical shape. We're different in our mental shape. We're different in our emotional shape. We're different in our social shape. But we are made to fit together we are made to complement each other. So, does that make sense? This is where we get this word complementarian from, is it's, uh, which is one of the perspectives as a, as in this topic, that we are designed to complement each other. So let me just... Uh, so neither one should be dominant over, over the other. And r- remember, I, I did already highlight... Men were given the responsibility. Uh, and I'm not diminishing that at all. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open this passage uh, in Ephesians. So if you have your Bible there, feel free to flick to Ephesians um, chapter 5. And we're going to talk a little bit more about one of these verses uh, that is often used. But what we've talked about so far is that, Adam, that Eve was made to partner with, to complement, to help. Adam in the task that he was given. Okay? Now, let's uh, unpack this a little bit further. So like I said, I mentioned there's there's some some Bible passages that have been used out of context, I believe. And so Matthew 5.22 is one of them. So Matthew 5, sorry, I said Matthew. I'm Matthew. Ephesians. Ephesians 5. Ephesians chapter 5.22. Okay, and this is the verse which is probably familiar to you. Verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its saviour. Okay, so that, does that sound familiar? Is that a familiar verse to anyone here? It's been, that, that verse by itself has been thrown around a lot. But I think it's important that we actually read the verse before it and the word verses after it, because that's what we do as responsible Bible people. Uh, I'm actually going to back up and go to verse 1, because I think it gives the whole passage a little bit of context. So we're just going to read verse 1, and then we're going to jump down to verse 21. Now, I'm actually going to flip o- over. I'm going to flip Bibles, and I'm going to flip to the message. Now, the message is not a, a direct uh, verbatim um, the ESV, which I like to read from, is much more direct verbatim, which is sometimes you'll see me 
tripping over the words because it's not necessarily written as we speak. The message is very much more a, a paraphrase, so it's written as we speak, and obviously there's some interpretation in that. Um, but I really like how it says this, and even as you go back to the original language, I, I like the words he's chosen. So we're going to read from the message and uh, out of verse 21, but feel free to read along in whatever Bible you've got in front of you. Verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ... Sorry, I think I'm reading from the ESV at the moment, sorry. The ESV is verse 1, but the 21, I'll read from the message. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this gives us a little bit of context, okay? We are to be imita <clears throat> excuse me, imitators of God, we are to walk in love, and we're to copy Christ. Does that make sense? So the, the passage that we're referring to, that's what it's talking about. So that's, we are to walk in love, copy the way, copy Jesus. All right, verse 21. Now, out of respect for Christ, be courteous, courteously reverent to one another. So this is the verse directly before the one I read you before. Out of respect for Christ, be courteously reverent to one another. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. This is that same verse I read you before, but in a different version. The husband provides leadership to his wife the way that Christ does to the church. Not by domineering, but by cherishing. So just as Christ submits sorry so just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership wives should likewise submit to their husbands husbands verse 25 go all out in love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church a love marked by giving not getting Christ's love makes the church whole. His, church, his words evoke her beauty. I love that line. His words evoke her beauty. Christ's words evoke the beauty in the church. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant with holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favour since they're already one in marriage. So such a beautiful description ah, in, in the message describing what this relationship should look like. Remember, it's all in the context of copying Christ and walking in love. And it describes how men should relate to their wives, how women should relate to their husbands. It's beautiful. So men... Let's first look at the men, and, and then we'll look at women. So what does it say? How does it say that we should uh, be husbands? And I think it actually correlates to a lot of different relationships, but this is specific to husband and wife. So it describes men as head of our households. So that is a biblical truth. 
And it's so interesting. I was talking to my wife a lot about this. And, and um, even as we talk about this swing, even the church, I think, in pockets have swung too far the other way. So it does definitely describe men as the heads of our households. And that responsibility that we articulated before, it is important. It was, it's, it's real. So good leader. So we are the leaders of our households. But if you're in other leadership roles in your life, in business, in any other relationship, a good leader listens to the people around him. It's not about being dominant. It's not about being independent. It's not about being a bully. A good leader actually listens to the people around them. And that is what is being articulated in this passage. So we are to value and honor those around us. And like I said, when we're talking about our relationships with our wives, men, we need to honor. We need to respect. We need to listen to our wives. And that is what this is saying. It's not a, like I said, it's not about being independent or dominant or bullying. But it is recognizing that we have headship. There is the leadership role does belong to the husband. And that is what Paul uh, is saying in this, in this Ephesians chapter 5. And wives. Oh, sorry. Still going on, men. Uh, it, and how, so how does this apply to our wives? It says that we should love our wives like Christ loves the church. So the question then is, how does Christ love the church? Oh, he, he laid down his life for the church. And this, in the message speaks really lovely language about how he loves the church. He, he dressed her in dazzling white clothes, which is uh, holiness. Did you catch that? It's beautiful. So uh, let me just read some of what I've written. He laid down, so Jesus laid down his life to the point of death. And we need to be prepared to do that as well. Jesus is perfectly gracious towards his church. And so, men, we need to be gracious towards our wives. Jesus is the great defender. And he covers the church with safety. And that's actually a part of the role that men, we are, we are actually quite comfortable with. In fact, it, it seems something very intrinsic to us to defend and to protect as part of our design. Uh, the, God, Jesus is the great provider. When we have an issue as the church, our job is to go to Jesus. We, we go to God, we pray. And he's our provider. And so men, we, that, that is a very comfortable role that we're very familiar with as well. It's quite intrinsic to our nature because it's how God designed us to be providers. And I love the language it uses in this passage. We need to be over the top with our love and our honor. Over the top with loving and honoring. His words evoke beauty. As we love and we go over the top with honor. And I, mums, I hope that, that your husbands and your kids went over the top with honoring you today. But the truth is, uh, we're, not, we're not always very good at this. We often forget to say it. And so men... Uh, that's the, probably the one thing I love about this day. I know it's a man-made day, Mother's Day. But it is the excuse that we need often to remember to tell our mums we love them. 
and to tell our wives that we love them. Go over the top and it will evoke beauty in her. And just a little, little. Uh, I love how it ends this. It's like he's talking straight to men. Um, it's better for us. <laughs> it is better for us if we get this honouring and love and balance right. Because we are one. I love how it, that, the, uh, it ends with that. Uh, they're really doing themselves a favour since they're already one in marriage. It is actually, we're actually, we'll benefit from. And I think it's the same in business. If you have a leader who actually pays attention and listens and honours the people around him, uh, and, and the people around them actually lift and they do their jobs better, and then it's actually better for the leader. And that's actually a, a, a very, it's, it's a worldly strategy that is actually a very biblical strategy. When you honour the people around you, they actually want to work harder. They'll work better and it'll be better for the leader. Okay, women. Women need to, I'm gonna, this is my language, champion your husbands in their leadership. The, uh, it says, understand and support your husbands as you, as you support Jesus. But I'm going to use the word champion. Women, champion your husbands. This world around us is actually quite active in attacking the role of the man. Attacking the role of the husband, attacking the role of the father. And sometimes we need a cheerleader. Um, champion your husbands. Shan does this so well. And it's probably good she's in the kids' ministry right now uh, as I talk about her. But she does this so well. She actually makes me feel stronger. She makes me feel like a stronger man. She makes, she, the way she champions me and she, she invites me to lead our family even though I do it in partnership with her, because I'm focused on honouring her and loving her and listening to her. And as I'm doing that, she looks at me and goes, ultimately, I come under you. Ultimately, I'm going to champion where, where you're going. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm coming alongside you. I'm here to help you. And that is, I believe, how it's supposed to work. Men, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Women, Champion your husbands as they lead your family. Now, like I said, this leadership role is not, a, it's not an independent, it's not a solo thing. Ultimately, we do, in, as it plays out, we, we do it together. And I think my mum was right. Yeah, dad's the head of the house and she's the neck who turns him. They work together. They work together. And it is important. I'm going, to write, I'm, going to, I'm going to read out some of the notes I wrote. So Shan does this really well. Shan, he, she doesn't nag me. She honors and cherishes me for who I am, understanding that I'm weak in particular areas and understanding that she, her strength can actually can cover some of my weakness. And it's the same the other way around as well. My strength covers her weakness as well. We are stronger together. We are better together. And so uh, I'm just going to invite, actually... No, we don't, we don't have a, a song at the end. Um, so I'm just going to bring this, bring this to a close and, and do some summarizing. Let's just acknowledge first that the world is ruthlessly attacking the roles of men and women, the roles of husband and wives. 
And so we, as followers of Jesus, we need to be the people who kind of go, okay, God, how do we navigate this in a way that honors you? Because if we are people who have declared to follow Jesus with our lives, then that should be our first port of call. Not being shaped by the world, and so not being shaped by the, whatever culture we've grown up in. In fact, in this room, there's a number of different cultures that we've grown up in. And so, uh, and don't just assume that the culture you've grown up in is right about all this stuff. We need to go to the Word of God and allow God to shape us. And so, I'm, I'm just going to um, invite, I'm just, maybe I'll get you guys to play a little bit of music, and I'm just going to pray. Uh, I'm just going to give a moment, just going to give a short moment for you to think about and pray about, um, is there something that God has been highlighting to you through this that maybe you need to repent that you need to go, oh, gee, God, I didn't. That's actually something I need to talk to you about. Or that's something I need help with. So I'm going to do that first. Yeah, go to that um, without words playlist. Uh, that'll, be, that'll be nice. Um, and then actually afterwards, I'm going to invite all the women to stand because I want to pray over you and bless you, yeah, if that's okay. And so I'm just going to pray as the music starts and, uh, and I'm just going to invite you into a moment of just reflecting on what we've been talking about. So Father God, I just thank you. Uh, again, ultimately, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you've looked down at this broken world to us, the broken people, and have chosen us. You've, you've chosen to You've chosen to invite us back into relationship, relationship that we stepped out of. Mankind has stepped out of relationship. Because of Jesus, because of what he did, we have this beautiful opportunity. So if there's someone actually, if there's someone who needs to actually accept Jesus as their I'm just going to invite you to pray this prayer. Father God, I, I, I want what these people have. I want to be back in the relationship.
just thank you. As, as this message we've been reflecting, we've exposed something in our world. That is, we've been, can I use the word, discipled in a particular way. Depending on what, depending on what culture we've grown up in, we've been shaped by our world. But Lord, your word actually invites us to live a different way. And we need your help. We are broken people. We are sinful people. We are not good at this. We need your help. And so, Lord, thank you that you've given us your spirit. Thank you so much that you've given us your word. And those two work in tandem to help us figure out how to do this. And you've given us each other as a family. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that. For your spirit, Lord, I pray for all the husbands. I pray that you will help us to love our wives. But to also step up to the Sometimes all we need is a cheerleader. And so, Lord, I just pray that every woman in this church will become the biggest cheerleaders of their husbands. And then that will actually shape us as men as well. So, Lord, we just thank you. We praise you. We pray that you'll help us live in your ways. Not necessarily the way the world has shown us. going to give you a few seconds and if there's something that you need to chat to God about and repent of made in the image of God, but it happens to be Mother's Day. So, Father God, I just pray a special blessing over each of these women. God, I pray that you can help them step into whatever it is that you have called them to individually. You love to call each of us into individual things in our lives. And so, Lord, you've shaped us and you've gifted us and you've given us particular talents and and abilities. So, Lord, I just really pray a blessing over them. I pray that if there's, I pray that you will throw fuel on the flame 
that, of their gifting, of their calling, of what it is to be your follower, to be a missionary sent by you, commissioned as beautiful women who have been given intentional shapes to reflect the image of God. Lord, I pray that you'll help them step into that in a wonderful, beautiful, honoring way. Lord, I pray that your favor will be upon all women here, that your blessing is on them, that if they've got particular uh, issues that are standing before them at work or, or at home uh, or in any other sphere, Lord, I just pray that your favor and that uh, you will move away obstacles. I pray that you will move away obstacles that are standing in their ways honouring you and while honouring their husbands help them show them how to